Blog Talk Radio. show live and I'm your show host Dame Lillian Walker and I'm here in sunny Huntington Beach studios at Lexia Media and I'm so happy and excited today we have Rand Brenner who is president and CEO of licensing consulting group that is an intellectual property management and licensing company that specializes in helping businesses use intellectual property to increase revenues launch new products lower costs, build value, gain a competitive advantage, and acquire funding. He's also the founder of LicensingForProfits.com, which is an educational website providing real-world expertise and information, coaching, e-courses, webinars, seminars, audio training, and more on how to make money licensing all types of intellectual property rights. Now, his experience spans over 30 years That's right, ladies and gentlemen, over three decades, and numerous of industries including consumer products, entertainment, technology, media, food, beverage, and software. He has led various international licensing programs as both a licensee and a licensor, and through consulting projects focused on licensing strategy, IP development, and property representation. Ladies and gentlemen, Rand has developed licensing deals with Fortune 1000 companies, including Universal Studios, Fox, Sony Pictures, Dow, Cargill, Coca-Cola, Kellogg's, Hasbro, Mattel, Random House, HarperCollins, Pillsbury, and many, many more. Prior to funding his current company, LCG, Rand was actually the vice president of licensing for the Saban Entertainment Group, where he managed over $100 million in licensing. This included the United States, Canada, and Mexico. He was also responsible for developing the licensing initiatives for a number of entertainment brands, including, I'm sure you're going to recognize these names, the multi-billion dollar Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TV show, which is a worldwide licensing phenomenon that grossed over $3 billion in worldwide retail merchandise sales, and the two Power Ranger movies, which were produced in conjunction with 20th Century Fox Film. Rand was also a licensing executive at Warner Brothers Consumer Products. And during his tenure, he was responsible for licensing a variety of high-profile theatrical television and publishing properties, including Batman, which generated over half a billion dollars in box office revenues. So rather than go on and on and on about Rand, let's talk with Rand. Rand, thank you for being on the Bottom Line Show live today. Rand, can you hear us? Rand, you might have to call back into the studio because we can't hear you. Rand? Well, Rand, I think he's going to be calling back into the studio because we could not hear him. So let me tell you a little bit more about Rand until he calls back into the studio here. Uh, As I was saying, uh, he generated over $500 million in box office revenues for the Batman 2 movies, and also the animation classic Looney Tunes, which is Bugs Bunny. Many of us grew up watching Bugs Bunny. Rand, are you there? Yes, there. Okay, we can hear you this time. Fantastic. Okay, Okay. I think it somehow got me. I'm not sure what happened there. How are you? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm doing – you're welcome, and thank you for taking time out of your really busy schedule to come join us for the Bottom Line Show Live. We're so excited to have you. It's my pleasure to be here. I uh, always enjoy coming on and, and uh, speaking with you and, and uh, sharing a bit about some uh, exciting insights and opportunities that exist in, in the exciting world of intellectual property and licensing. Well, and I think this is a, a, an area of business that very few people um, really tap into and are even aware of. And, and I think a lot of folks out there are sitting on a gold mine of intellectual property that they don't even know that they have. 
which is why I'm so excited to have you come on the show and show how they can make money using the licensing of intellectual property. So let's dive in deep, and why don't we start off with you telling us exactly what is intellectual property? Well, I think um, intellectual property uh, probably is most uh, most people in our form of patents, trademarks, and copyrights. That's what you hear a lot about, um, and that's what's called the registered form of intellectual property. Those are patents you, you file an application at a patent office, a trademark you register and get the rights to to that brand name or logo, and then a copyright, of course, could be a book or a movie or a TV show that you can register for a copyright, and those are all forms, as I said, of registered copy, uh, registered intellectual property. But there's also another form of intellectual property, and that's called unregistered intellectual property. And that is basically the trade secrets and know-how, what you know how to do in terms of maybe it's marketing systems, real estate systems, uh, producing uh, exciting interview shows, uh, sales techniques, whatever the case is, that's a form of intellectual property, and in some cases, what you're seeing today is that type of intellectual property is actually becoming uh, very, very valuable, and in fact, more valuable than a lot of the registered uh, intellectual property that's out there. So the thing that, that I can say to all the listeners is that you are involved with intellectual property. Um, you wear it, you drive it, you watch it. Uh, every time you go onto a computer and get a new piece of software, the first thing that pops up is a licensing agreement, so you've been doing licensing. Um, and it's just something that oftentimes I think people are just not aware of how much intellectual property exists in the world around them. So with that being said, give us some examples, more tangible examples of of um, unregistered IP, because you've made it crystal clear as to what the registered IP is, which you mentioned were trademarks, copyrights, mm -hmm. patents. But the uh, second type of IP you said was unregistered IP. And again, right. this is an untapped gold mine that people aren't even aware that they even have that they could be monetizing. So give us a few examples of, of those. Mm -hmm. Well, probably, probably one of the most famous examples of unregistered is the Coca-Cola formula. Um, you have the brand Coke, but what's really valuable is that formula that makes it taste like Coca-Cola. Nobody knows what that formula is. It's kept locked up in a secret vault. Same thing holds true for Kentucky Fried Chicken, the one they talk about, the 12 or 21 spices. Another example mm -hmm. is Google. You know of Google on the outside as a search engine, but it's what goes on behind it. The algorithm that drives it is a trade secret. See, and it's interesting. This is a good point that you raised. One thing to understand, a big difference between a trade secret and, say, registered copyright such as patent, there's a reason that some companies won't register their trade secrets, because if they do, it becomes public information. When you register your intellectual property, it's public information. Oh. So in the case of a formula like the Coca-Cola recipe, the reason they're not going to register it is because then you'll find out all the ingredients and how to make Coca-Cola. The same thing holds wow. true for Google. If they registered their algorithm and told you exactly how it worked, then you could be a competitor wow. to them because you'll know their secret sauce, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's that. So that's a big difference. And what 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 I think a lot of listeners should really kind of think about are what are all the things that you're doing and creating that really you know how to do, or it's a process or a system that you do. Uh, and if you've been doing it for a long time and it gets results, um, say increases somebody's sales, uh, helps them be more productive, um, is a better way of doing something you've got intellectual property, and most likely it's know-how or trade secrets, the unregistered type. Mm. So, and they have to be transferable to somebody else, correct? Right, and you can do that through licensing. See, that's what licensing does. Is it, it lets somebody use your intellectual property. You continue to control the rights, but what you're doing is it's, think of it like a piece of real estate, okay, which essentially it is. It's just an intangible form of real estate. But your intellectual property is just that. It's a property. So what you do with licensing is very similar to leasing or renting a piece of real estate. You're going out and giving somebody the rights to use it in a certain way, in a certain market, for a certain period of time, at, and pay you uh, a certain amount of money. So it's basically mm -hmm. renting your IP rights. And you can do it with all forms of intellectual property. 
all the registered forms I talked about, patents, trademarks, and copyrights, as well as the unregistered form, trademarks. And it works as an agreement. A licensing agreement is put together, and inside that agreement, it's all the um, things that you can and can't do with the intellectual property, basically the terms of that rental agreement, if you will, the use agreement. And if you own the intellectual property, somebody's going to pay you royalties for the rights to use it. And then, of course, if you rent uh, or license in rights to an intellectual property, you'll pay out a royalty to the owner of that intellectual property. But that's just the tip of the iceberg of what you can do with licensing an intellectual property. There's far more that you can do with it. Um, in addition to getting paid on it, um, it's an asset. So you can use it to get resources. You can use it to get partnerships. For example, if your intellectual property, let's say, is a new technology, new piece of software, but you don't have the money to finish development, but it, it's got mm -hmm. an application, let's say, to a big market like, like business services or medical uh, records, something like that, you could go to a bigger company who you can show this, this IP technology to and they may be interested in licensing it under a development license where they will agree to help fund and finish the development and once it's up in the market in return pay you royalties for the rights to use that IP. So that's an example of how you can use licensing to get development funded. Okay. You can use licensing, let's say you want to distribution internationally in a foreign market, but you just don't Mm -hmm. have the, the knowledge or the expertise to operate in that market. You can use licensing to find a partner who's already operating there, similar business, and you can license them the rights to take your products or your technologies into that marketplace and make and sell them there is another example. So there's many ways that you can use licensing, and I think um, you know it's often not completely understood what the licensing process is because it's really a money-making process and it's about understanding what intellectual property is and what you can do with it. So so tell us, before we go further, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you actually get into this area of business? Sure, and that's a, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, quite frankly, it was one of those situations where I, I fell into licensing. And at the time that I got into it was back in the 80s. I, I didn't know what licensing was. I uh, wound up getting a position uh, with Warner Brothers, uh, at, who at the time had a movie that was coming out called Batman, and they had a small division. And basically what it was is I was brought on board, um, and I, I had found out about it through, through somebody who I'd worked with, and when they said, do you want to, you know, come on over and get involved in licensing? I said, sure. You know, and then I got there and it's like, well, what is licensing? And uh, basically from there it was, here's a property. We need you to go out and talk, contact companies and see if somebody will be interested in licensing the, the rights to make products around this movie and sell them. And at that time there was a bit of a challenge with the movie because it was a comic book character hadn't been seen in 30 years so nobody knew if they were even going to make money on the movie so they looked to merchandise and uh, so fast forward uh, you know a year later then suddenly the movie came out exploded and suddenly the merchandise was making a lot of money and that was really a period of time when none of the studios really had full time merchandise programs they knew that merchandise was a value but at that time the front end was it was all about the front end of, of distribution and ticket sales and things like that. And there really was a goal. It was really a golden opportunity for, uh, for small entrepreneurs to come in because that's what the only companies that were willing to take the license on the uh, first Batman movie, of course, then it did exceptionally well and changed the whole dynamics of the market. So I wow. spent, you know, a number of years there and then I moved over to Saban was in the licensing business on the studios for over a decade. And then just stepped out and decided to set up my own company and, you know, when you're inside of an industry, you think everybody understands it. And when I left, I figured everybody understood intellectual property and licensing. And as I got uh, out on my own and more involved, I realized that licensing was is virtually unknown by a lot of people, a lot of companies, in fact, and, and don't even understand what licensing really is. It's often thought of as a legal process, mm -hmm. which legal is a part of it, but it's really a money-making process. It's It's a way of operating a way of taking your intellectual property much like real estate 
buying and selling real estate, investing. There's a certain process that you go through, looking at properties, evaluating the comps, doing some due diligence, finding out if it, if it meets your needs, um, negotiating a deal, fixing up the property, taking it out, reselling it. Well, that much that, that's very similar to what the licensing process is. And I realized as I spent more time in the market, a lot of businesses and people just don't understand that that's what licensing is. It's a money-making process. And so I um, spent a lot of time educating. That's why I set up, I not only have my consulting business, but I set up a, a website, licensingforprofits.com, as kind of a, as the educational side to teach people to train, you know, companies, individuals on how to, to manage their intellectual property and make money with it. What are the skills? What are the processes to go through? How do you negotiate deals? How do you create value for it? What do you watch out for? What are the mistakes? How do you understand what royalties are? How do you calculate this? There's so many pieces to it, that the, and there's no education for it. Um, yeah. you, if you look out there today, most schools and, and universities, nobody is teaching how to make money with intellectual property. You can get a lot of education and knowledge on the legal side, how to protect it and how to litigate it. But the question is, how do you make money with it? So, so I set that side up to help people who want to learn how to do that, as well as my consulting services works with companies that bring me on board to help them either acquire intellectual property, license it in, or work with them to develop a strategy and license out their intellectual property to make money with it, do more, expand their business, um, even use it to fund their business. These are all the different uh, ways to use IP. So that's really kind of how I, I, I got into the business and then saw really what was happening with it and, and where I've evolved my business to in, in helping people both on the educational side as well as on the consulting side. So, so what are the actual services that you provide and how do you actually work with a client or a prospective business owner? Well, um, one of the services I provide is uh, helping a business owner acquire intellectual property. For instance, coming out of the entertainment industry, I'm, I often work on assignments where companies want to get rights to a big movie franchise or a TV mm -hmm. show. And I've had a lot of experience there and a lot of contacts in the industry. So I will they, they retain me, bring me on board to operate as their, their licensing person to go out and acquire that IP, manage the relationships, help them negotiate the deals and, and develop that intellectual property. Um, and I've worked on brands and, and sports franchises as well as technologies. And I do the same thing on the other side where a company will bring me in and they have intellectual property and perhaps they're, they, they've developed it to a certain level. They've got it out in the market, but they just don't have the resources or maybe even the inclination to want to take it out to a larger market. In that case, they bring me on board and I help them develop a strategy and a plan to go out and, license that their intellectual property out to perhaps a larger company who can then take it and, um, uh, you know, make and sell it in a, in a larger way. And then oftentimes I'm retained by a client who has an intellectual property and it's got other applications besides the main products or services that they're making and selling. And this is a, a, a big opportunity that's over, over, often overlooked by businesses is, and every business, by the way, Every business, every industry in the world today either uses or makes intellectual property. They may not realize it, but everybody mm -hmm. uh, uses or makes. In fact, right now we're making intellectual property on your show mm -hmm. through this, exactly. this interview. So, mm -hmm. so, and the important thing to understand is you can do more with that intellectual property than just make your products or your services or your particular technology. For example, you know, with this radio interview. This is content that can be repackaged and redistributed in other formats, whether it's syndicated in other shows, whether it's repackaged as recordings and licensed out, whether it's transcribed and put into books, in which case are licensed to somebody that publishes books. There are many, many ways that you can take your core IP. And for a lot of businesses, they, they overlook this opportunity. And mm -hmm. the other important point to understand about intellectual property is in many cases, your intellectual property is the total value of your company. Uh, and if you look at businesses today, it doesn't matter what size business, from small business all the way up to these multinational corporations, when you look at their balance sheets and you look at the value of those companies, 
about 70% of it is their intellectual property and intellectual assets. In fact, for many small businesses, mid-sized businesses, even startups, 100% of their value is in their intellectual property. And it's something that you really need to be aware of because when you think about how do I value my business, how do I raise money for my business, what are investors looking for? Today, when you look at the where what the market is, how intellectual property is playing such a big role in it, the value of your business is often locked inside of your intellectual property. For many businesses, uh, you know, if the focus is on how do I operate my business and sell as many products or services as I can, may not necessarily be the best strategy simply because you have intellectual property that has far more value and you could do more with it beyond just selling your products and services. This is some of the ways that I work with my clients by helping to explore that and extract that, find ways to build value for their business or, or create revenues for their business beyond what they're doing. Um, and I help them, you know, another area I work with businesses on is strategy because oftentimes you, you, you do your business strategy, you do your marketing plan, but intellectual property never is a part of that. And in today's world, when you look at all the different industries, um, most likely, for example, if you're, if you're in web design or software development or entertainment, you're, you're competing inside of what's called an IP-intensive industry, meaning that it's all about the IP. The IP is what's driving the business and the value and the competition. And if you're only looking at it as this is my product or this is my service, but you're not looking at it as, wait, I've got these IP assets. How am I going to really use these? How am I going to make the most of these? What can I do with these beyond what I'm doing to make some money? Mm -hmm. Then you're missing a big part of your business opportunity. And for a lot of businesses, I think, that, that are out there today and they're looking for ways to grow, they're struggling, maybe, you know, for instance, uh, raising money is a big challenge, especially in the small to mid-sized business market. It's very, very mm -hmm challenging in many cases and a lot of companies go out to pitch raising money and are not successful and sometimes the reason they're not successful is because they miss the the most important or attractive part of their business and that's their intellectual property it's not telling the right as i call it intellectual property story and so as the market changes and evolves a lot of value that i can that i bring to my clients is helping them if you will, shape, mold, redesign their business to make it more attractive, uh, generate more revenue, build more value, do more with their with their IP assets of what they're doing, um, what they're doing now. That makes a lot of sense. So, so my question to you would be like, how does a smaller, medium-sized business owner figure out what the value, what the dollar, you know, in real estate, you can get an appraiser to go out and appraise a piece of property, residential, commercial doesn't matter, raw land. But in IP, how would you get an appraisal? How would you have an idea and a notion of, you know, you, of course, every artist, everybody who creates something has an intrinsic value where you think that it's worth valued X dollars. But business, right. oftentimes, there's a, you know, you talk to a banker and bankers, and I come from a banking background, so we look at hard and fast numbers, and then, of course, we make reasonable judgments based on certain history. And with IP, you know, especially if it's your first piece of IP, you don't have a history or a track record to say, okay, if I'm going to do something, I'll get about, you know what I mean? So how do you evaluate the actual dollar value, the appraised value of something like that? And is that even possible? Yes, that's a great question. And what you have today is you have, uh, much like you have real estate appraisers to appraise property, mm -hmm. they're specialists in appraising real estate, you have specialists in valuing intellectual property. Okay, and what these what these companies do is that's their focus, that's their expertise. Is their is their specialty is putting together all the pieces that you need to figure out the value of intellectual property, and they work with all types of intellectual property, uh, everything from just a, a a brand new IP that's ready to go to market to to intellectual property that's been on the market, and what they do is they have formulas that they work with, and there's 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 oh. A number of ways you can value intellectual property, but the three most common are what's called the income approach, the cost approach, and the market approach. And, and very simply, like is the in, right. It's just it's very very. You, you'll find it's a good point you bring up, and I share this with people a lot because you'll find that intellectual property, the dynamics of it, some of the terminology, even the way it's valued, even the contracts, have a lot of similarity to real estate. 
because it operates in, in, in a lot of the same way. Yeah, it's property, okay? It just happens property to be property. one is real real property and the other is intangible property. And so the valuations in, in many ways are similar. Um, as I said, you've got, a, you know, you've got an income approach which says, okay, how much income is this intellectual property generating? And, and then you discount it and you, you create a value for it. A cost approach is saying, similar to real estate, how much would it cost to replace this or build it from scratch? Mm-hmm. Right, and then you determine, okay, if it's going to cost or or replace more than it is to license, or, you know, then it's got a greater value to license it or sell it. And then, of course, the market approach is similar to real estate. What are some comps, you know, out there? What are similar types of intellectual property worth? Now, the challenge, unlike real estate, is intellectual property is a gargantuan market that is not organized and as uh, accessible and transparent as the real estate market, meaning there is no MLS system out yeah. there today that you could punch in. That's the big challenge out there today is finding that information. And, um, you know, part, one of the things that I do, you know, is in working with clients, especially if we're developing a strategy or looking at how we're going to take the IP out there, is I spend, you know, a considerable amount of time researching the market, seeing what, what competition out there, trying to find you know, comparable values for royalty rates and deals and things like that just to give us a sense of where you can go with it. Well, that's basically what these valuation firms do is they take all the things that your business is doing with your intellectual property and they mm-hmm. put them into a formula and then they factor in uh, a number of, of things and then they figure out which of these formulas is best to use to figure out the value of your intellectual property. Um, now, you know, there's things that you can do prior to getting evaluation because today IP valuations are not, you, you know, they're not an inexpensive thing to get done. I mean, you're looking at fifteen to 30000 maybe more, simply because it's just um, uh, right now uh, a more uh, complex type of valuation, although that's changing as the, the Internet's been uh, an incredible tool, an incredible um, system for opening up intellectual property in many, many ways. One of them is gathering more information doing and doing getting this kind of information for valuations. But in the interim, often what can be done, and I've worked with clients on, is, is sitting down and going through the intellectual property, figuring out, first of all, what they have, okay, because many times you may have a patent, but it's more than just a patent. It, in many cases, it could be the know-how. You know how to, let's say your patent is a product, but you, you have to do something special in manufacturing to get the end product to look the quality in the field. Well, that know-how is part of your intellectual property. And so what happens with many businesses is you sit down and I go through and I say, let's do an inventory of your intellectual property assets. Um, you know, most businesses today will do an inventory of their, uh, in, you know, their products, their uh, plant, their equipment, desks, all that. But the one thing they, they don't do is a, a, an inventory of their IP. And when you do that inventory and you list wow. that, you realize we've got a lot more than we realize, okay? Mm-hmm. We have a lot of IP that isn't protected, uh, number that should be protected. But once you get that all on paper, then you're able to do some interesting things. And one of the things is you're able to sit down and say, wait a minute, what can we do with this IP and where can we potentially go? Because now you can start to apply some thinking and strategy toward if we took it into other markets, what are those market applications and could we potentially license it? And if we did potentially license it, what could it generate in revenue? And based on those projections, you can start to get your arms around saying, wait a minute, we may have something here that's got a lot more value uh, than we even thought. And, you know, in many cases for businesses that haven't done that kind of analysis, that kind of thinking, when they sit down and do it, they could realize that suddenly they're sitting with, as you said earlier, a gold mine that brings more value to their business than they even have on their books right now just with the products and services, but that their IP is really something that has far more value. And when you add that to the uh, balance sheet of your business, suddenly you could see your valuation go up significantly. And um, there is another opportunity for business, especially when you're looking for ways of, of getting financing, um, you know, when you start to add in these your intellectual property, you could suddenly discover, wait a minute, we've got a lot more value here than we've been talking to people about. Yeah, as I hear you speaking about these different areas of business and intellectual property management, if you will, it sounds like there's a whole lot of untapped opportunity here here for people on many fronts, 
you have some of our listeners, of course, are business owners, small, medium, and large, solo entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. or others who have multiple employees and growing and, and, and so forth. And so they're probably becoming aware of different things that they have in their business that maybe they've taken for granted or they just haven't mm-hmm. been aware of until they're listening to this show, thinking of, wow, yeah, we have systems in place that are proprietary to us. We haven't copyrighted, patented, or trademarked it or anything, but this is you know, our secret sauce, so to speak, and maybe there's an opportunity to license that. Um, there are other people who are listening who have certain skill sets that fall very much in line with what it is that you're talking about, and they're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, you know, I could, you know, I don't know if such a term or thing exists, but I'm thinking it's like, wow, somebody could just launch a business and just be an intellectual property broker where they just go finding unique opportunities and identify intellectual property, and they approach a business and say, hey, did you know that this is intellectual property and that you could, you know, make money at this? Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because the one area that is, is grossly underserved, and this is this is worldwide, and it's particularly acute outside the United States, there's a lack of qualified IP advisors that exist mm-hmm. in the world today. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an intellectual property. I consult with people on licensing intellectual mm-hmm. property, and, I, and, and you have to realize inside the world there isn't a large amount of qualified licensing agents and consultants out there. In fact, there's very few. That, that's where you're leading yeah. to a lot of these issues. People are getting ripped off with these, these invention firms and things like that. But it's a huge opportunity for any of your listeners. They're, they're a business coach, a marketing coach, an advisor. You know, what program I put together is called the IP licensing coach for that very reason that there is a lack of um, good quality advice for companies that people can sit down with them and say, wait a minute, you know, we're working on your business, your operation, your marketing, your sales, but what are you doing with your intellectual property? How are you managing that? Are you making money with it? Is it, you know, sitting there? What, what can we do with it? And, uh, in fact, I, cre- I created a program for IP licensing coach. It's a training program. I have it up at, at my website at Licensing for Profits. And I put together a report on that to get people to understand what this opportunity is. And it's ideal, as I said, for coaches, uh, business advisors, anybody who's looking for a way to expand their business, this is a program. And that coaching program that I put together is basically to train people on exactly what I do. And that is how to work with companies to manage them and make money with IP, whether it's licensing out their IP, finding licensing opportunities. I mean, there is so much intellectual property out there that is sitting there waiting for small businesses to do something with. Many people don't realize, for example, this is a a good example in talking about being a broker to find IP. The world's biggest corporations are factories that that develop tons of intellectual property. And the bulk of that is just sitting there on the books, it's and they're not doing anything. They're not, well, they're sitting there, and you say, why is it sitting there? For the simple reason that these are monstrous corporations that unless they, they don't have the internal capabilities to incubate a lot of the um, IP that they've created, wow. and, you know, because they've got these big R&D, and it's just mm-hmm. sitting there. And the same holds through for, for universities throughout the world who don't commercialize at all. And the thing is, for small and mid-sized businesses, this is an ideal opportunity to go in and pick up this, this IP for little or no money and be able mm-hmm. to commercialize it because these companies aren't going to do anything if it's going to generate less than 50 or $100 million. But for a small business, if you picked up this IP and it made sense and you were successful commercializing it, you're going to have a potential acquisition partner looking over your shoulder going, hmm, let's wait and see how far they go. If you build it up and it's successful, they may just come around and buy you for a whole bunch of money, which is happening right now. Um, it, it's inside, and I speak, I have um, associates inside some of these very large technology companies, and we've often spoken about that, and they, they have shared stories with me and said, look, you know, the, the company has so much IP, but they just can't focus on it because their core business is whatever, selling, you know, uh, computer parts or, right, whatever yeah. it is, but they keep developing all this IP, and even though they have a licensing division, it's, it's much like when the studios first started out. When I first started the studios, 
oh, this licensing our, our, our movies, uh, this is just a, a side business. Put it over there. Uh, you know, yeah. Let's give them three offices and see if they can do anything. But nobody really paid attention to it. And suddenly it just blew up and now is, is a primary source now of revenue for many of these entertainment. Mm-hmm. Right. And, well, the same thing exists for many of these very, very large corporations, except they haven't got the infrastructure to really do anything with it. And so it's not the right focus for, for them. Well, it's and it just it's too small for them right now. And so mm-hmm. it's a golden opportunity for companies that look. So getting back to this coach, it's like one of the opportunities is, is, is you know, adding an IP licensing coach or an IP advisor to your as a, as a business coach, you could take that role to help them go out and say, hey guys, we can grow your business. Let's find a a, a suitable piece of technology that's maybe developed by a larger partner that you could license in and grow out because you've got a, a certain expertise. See, the thing about licensing is you say, how can we grow our business? Most people think about growing the business. Well, let's sell more products. Let's sell more services. Okay, well, we haven't got the resources to sit and, and take the time to spend a year, year and a half developing a new product or a new technology. Well, you don't have to do that. If you think about all the IP that's out there developed and ready to go, all the R&D is done. What if you have the expertise? You say, look, we have the technology guys. We have the software guys. We know how to be successful commercializing software. We get it. Give us a piece of software, and we can make this thing run into any market. Well, if that's the type of business you have and you're looking to grow, there is so much software out there developed by many, many companies who can't do a thing with it because they're too big. It's not their core business, but it's an offshoot of what from their development opportunities. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is how do you find how do you find this IP because there is so much of it out there? Well, that's where the need for, for good licensing advisors, licensing consultants, IP advisors comes in is these are the people that can tap into that. And I, and I, and I speak with, with different, um, you know, uh, uh, business uh, planners and, and, and uh, business advisors who have spoken to me on occasion, consultants, about what do we do with this intellectual property world and, you know, our client has the IP, but, but how do we make something out of it? That's where the opportunity comes in. And I think it's just getting the knowledge out there and realize that um, there is a lack of that advice. And that's, you know, that's, that's a big part of the challenge. And it's not only in the small to mid-sized business, but believe me, this, this percolates no. all the way up to global companies around the world. Yeah. It's interesting that you should say that because, you know, uh, here on the Bottom Line Show Live, as you know, we have icons of industry in media, television, film, radio, music, uh-huh. sports, and politics, etc. So these are people that are at the top of the, their game, like yourself. And yet, time and time again, I can't, I can't tell you the number of times that I've spoken to many of these individuals and I have pointed out to them, it's like, oh my gosh, do you realize that, you know, that's IP that you could, you could repurpose that and you could make money here or there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, first thing is like, they're wide-eyed and surprised. They're like, wow, I never thought of that. Right. And I think opening this conversation and having an expert like you and putting you at the forefront where people are able to hear, see, feel, sense what it is that you're saying, because I believe, and I know that you probably are in the same uh, intention and the same thought process too, but there's a ton of IP sitting around everywhere now as people mm-hmm. go out and look at, you know, look at it from this point of reference, then it's pretty obvious pretty much every time you meet with a business owner it's like well did you know that you could make you could you could use this as intellectual property and you could be making money at that and they're like that's great but i'm spread too thin i don't have time right it's usually 99.9 yes. percent of the time we're like we don't have enough staff to do everything we need to do now uh, right. and we definitely can't you know put another person on just to handle that so why right. don't you address that issue of it and that is actually an excellent point. That's generally what happens in most of the cases. Look, everybody's running a business, and your, your resources and your manpower and your money are all focused. Look, mm-hmm. we've got to sell the products. We've got to do this. And they don't have the resources to really focus in on IP because to do that, first of all, understand that, you know, we all get educated. You know, most business education, we grow up in a tangible world. Right, we're educated mm-hmm. in a tangible world. We're trained in a tangible world. How do you take a product, a service, market, make it, all that? Yet, what many people don't realize is that most of what what wealth is is intangible wealth. Okay, most of what you do is intangible, meaning you can't touch it or see it, but you have to do something to transform it into an end product. 
And so for a lot of people running a business, their challenge is I've got too much just trying to handle the tangible side of my business. How am I going to sit back and figure out I don't have anybody who can sit and think about this intangible world of intellectual property and what we can do with it. That's why there is a need for, you know, good IP consultants, advisors, agents, consultants such as myself is to help businesses think about this Mm -hmm. because really for a number of businesses, you know, What's happening is there's a, a, a transition going on where a lot of businesses are moving out of, of the traditional make-and-sell model. And if you look around, and, and you can take a look and see some models. For example, um, you see that there's companies such as Kodak, which at one time were these huge mm-hmm. photo companies. And they got into trouble, and so they've repurposed their um, IP. They, they got into trouble, had to raise money through bankruptcy, and instead they've come out now. They're not in a make-and-sell company anymore. They're an innovation company who's licensing out their technology because they realize that they're better at innovating and letting others license their technology than they are to spend the time making and selling. And that's just one of many companies who are reinventing themselves. You're seeing this in, in um, especially inside of, of, of technology companies, computer chip companies. You know, when you look at Microsoft, everybody thinks about Microsoft as being the software company. What they don't realize is they make a big chunk of their money off of licensing their technology. Apple. Apple makes billions of dollars. But what you don't realize is that a big chunk of that money is coming from all of the licensing they do. Think about the licensing they do. Not only the, the, the accessory products and items that are made for all of their, oh, yeah. their core products mm-hmm. like computers, but think about the Apple Store, iTunes. Think about all the apps. Those are all licensing deals. Because they can't, they, they, they're not going to spend their time, you know, staffing up for hundreds of thousands of people to make all that. No, what they use is a licensing model and says, let's take our brand and our technology and let's license it out to thousands of people to create thousands of apps and pay us, you know, a few cents on every time somebody uses that. Think of the enormity of the money that's coming out. Well, that's what's happening. More and more licensing is being used because these companies are thinking about, look, we've got IP here. It can go in a lot of different places. The more people use it, the more money we're going to make. Here's another example, and this is a big example. You know electric cars coming out, Tesla, for example, yes. okay, right. makes electric cars. One of the things they did is they came into the market, and they have several hundred of these patents all around their electric car technology. What they did is they turned around, and they, they did what's called open innovation licensing, open source, where they gave the IP out to any company that wants to work with that IP to, to develop um, electric, automotive, you know, uh, transportation technology. And you say, well, why would they just open it up and let people use it any way they want? To help them evolve and adopt the industry. Because they said the more people who use our IP, the faster our industry is going to grow, and the more they'll develop products, services, and technologies around it. And okay? the costs will go down. Mm-hmm. Right. And the industry will grow. And, of course, you know, that's a strategy Apple Apple uses. They said the more we let people develop for our products and services, the bigger the market's going to get. Microsoft uses that. Google uses that. Intel uses I mean, all of these companies are partnering together under licensing models. And the reason they're doing that is they realize that you, the more people that use your IP, the bigger your market. Another prime example is Procter & Gamble, one of the biggest consumer products companies in the world. Yet many people probably don't even realize 50% of their products and services and brands come from licensing deals. They innovate. They license out everything from their packaging technology to their manufacturing process because they realize the more people that use it, the bigger their brand grows and the more money they make. Okay? IBM generates over a billion dollars a year in licensing because they have so much technology. So I share these large stories with your listeners only so that they understand that licensing is a model that's being adopted more and more and more by these companies because they realize that, you know, with all this technology, with all this IP, remember, it moves very quickly. So mm-hmm. the time where you used to have two years to figure out the product you're going to might test it, figure out who's going to buy it, you don't have that anymore. But what you do have now is the ability to say, look, we've, we've taken this IP, we've developed it as far as we can, let's license it to somebody who's ready to go to market, get it into the market mm-hmm. quicker, and move on to the next thing and make more money with it. And so that's what's, what's happening. And so when you look at that on the large scale, and you bring it down to small to mid-sized businesses, they haven't adopted this market yet. Oftentimes people get into this mindset that says, oh, I invented this IP. I'm going to build a company around it. Yet 
one of the most challenging things to do today is to start a new company. The, the statistics yes. that you're going to survive past five years are against you. Against you. Mm-hmm. The, the odds are against you. Yet in the licensing model, if your IP is sound and it works, if you go out and license it to a company who's already been established for 10, 15 years, already has the market, statistically it's going to be uh, uh, you're going to have the greatest chance of success out there simply because they've already got the foundation laid of all the foundation. By that I mean instead of you having to take your IP you've already developed, now you've got to go out and set up a company, hire the people, mm-hmm. get your office space, you know, do all of this build-out work, right, taking you up to two years. And then maybe you'll be lucky if you can start to get out there and be successful selling it, or I can go to a company that's already out there doing it and let them run with it. And that's a model that's being used, as I said, more and more frequently by businesses, by companies, especially in the large scale around the world, because they realize um, that's the only way we're going to get this thing to market and get it, get it you know, commercialized quickly and get it to revenue quickly. So how does a solopreneur, a small uh, business owner, for example, let's say you have a chef that has three, four books um, that they've written, uh, how would they use licensing? You know, obviously there's the inherent books themselves that are intellectual property, but how would they use licensing in their particular case? Uh, well, you know, and how would they be able to monetize something like that? Well, that's 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 a good example, let's say chef's food. Food is a very popular category. In fact, the IP mm-hmm. in the food market has been has been exploding, especially around the chefs okay. and recipe. Okay, recipes okay. are intellectual property. They're trade secrets. And more and more what you're finding is restaurants that are opening up are protecting these recipes and trade secrets. But let's say you're a chef and you've, you've written these books. You may even have a restaurant. Well, now you've got all these recipes in this book, which is your intellectual property. Okay. You've got the content, and you've got your brand, your brand name. If you're a well-known chef, that's your brand. Your recipes mm-hmm. are your trade secret, which if you share mm-hmm. them in a book, means you have them under copyright. So you can copyright okay. those recipes. What can you do with it? Well, think about where you could go with it. You could obviously license out the books to somebody to make and sell the books. Then you've got the possibility of taking it into audio form. You've got the possibility to take it into, right now, online. You, you can license online to people that would transform, let's say, your books into audio versions of your books, and, 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 and they may have a specialty uh, website on cooking or famous recipes or top chef recipes or whatever it is. You could license it into that. You could license your chef brand companies who may be looking for brands to put inside of their, of their books, of their recipe books, or you could open up, you could even use your brand name if you're well-known as a franchise to others who want to open up a restaurant as a franchise. Or you could do like Mrs. Fields is a perfect example, who took the success of their franchise brand and their cookie recipe and turned around and licensed the brand to uh, ice cream, licensed it to cakes, like licensed it to all oh. sorts of... Uh, Repurposing it. So, right. Mm-hmm. They repurposed it and they saw a way to expand into other categories. Remember, when you create your recipe for food, Okay, and it's a success. You have your brand around it. Let's say you as the chef. So you know you can do the obvious ones are I've got a recipe. I could do a book. You could do a TV show. You could do a video show. You could do an audio show. You could do a franchise. Okay. Um, You can do this um, in app form today. You could do it in apps. When you look at all the culinary schools that are starting, when you look at all the specialty niche sites and websites, Mm -hmm. there's so many places that you could uh, license your content out to because especially in the world of the Internet is content hungry. It's content hungry. And where's the content? What is content? Content is intellectual property in the form of copyright and trade, in in some cases trademarks. And that means it can be licensed to all these different places. Standpoint, see, here's the thing, and you brought this point up home. This is what I tell people. Here's what you have to step, step away from. Step away from thinking about my IP is a tangible product or service. Step away from that and step back and say, you know what? My IP is an intangible asset that can be, that can be produced or distributed into many different formats, many different types of products, many services. Where can it go? Then you start to open up the, oper- the, the, the realm of possibility. And then if you start to discover what those opportunities are, 
you say, well, how can I get them there? The answer is through licensing, through letting other people use your rights in different formats, different products, different services, different markets. That's what the licensing process allows you to do. So instead of selling one book at a time or one recipe at a time, now you've licensed it out to 10 companies who are selling 100 different products or 100 different services or, or producing 100 different videos, whatever the case is, and suddenly you've magnified everything you're doing, but you don't have to do the heavy lifting of producing and selling your cookbooks. Would it be very difficult or not, you know, what can a, uh, either someone like, let's say, a chef or someone who does something in a unique way in a particular industry, let's say internal martial arts, which is thousands and thousands of years old, but let's say they've twisted it and modified it into a, a way that he's, they're getting results with people now. How difficult would it be for a person like that to approach either a large or another entity that would actually be willing to pay for the licensing, and how would you even figure out what to charge? Well, that's both good questions. I mean, first of all, if you've created any kind of process or system that you've used successfully and and you can do the same thing over and over again, okay, meaning that let's say you use the the example of the martial arts, you've got a certain – style that you've you've evolved over the years and, and you're able to train students with it consistently and get the same consistent results. So you know that if you were able to train others in how to to use your system to train their students, they would get the same measurable results. Results. Well mm-hmm. the answer is somebody somebody would be interested in that because in this day and age, rather than, than having to, to try to tinker with and figure out something that works, if you know that you something already works and you can transfer it to somebody else to use it, okay, uh-huh. to get the same results, that's valuable because you're able to say, look, I've, I've developed this style, I've developed this system, I've been successful training thousands of students, you can see the results here, I can train you and how to train your students using this system. And in return, for using my systems and I'll give you the manuals and I'll give you the, 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 my brand and I'll, and I'll upgrade uh-huh. it and I'll help you, you know, be successful with it, you're going to pay me a royalty. It could be a fixed amount. You pay me $1,000 a year, $1,000 a quarter. Um, if you set up special classes just in my training style, then you'll pay me, you know, 10% of all the people that enroll in it. Okay. These are all examples of how you could get paid on. And, and, and that example I shared with you is the same way that you would approach any IP licensing deal is, yeah. You know, if, if, it, if it's proven, if it works, you go out there and you sit down and say, look, it works, it, it's successful, it fits in your business, it fits your customers. If you license it, you know, you'll pay me X amount of dollars based on sales, based on percentage, based on royalty. It's a negotiation process, and it's mm-hmm. a partnership. Understand that the, the core mm-hmm. of licensing is a partnership. If you build a successful par- partnership and it works, then that means both of you are going to be successful, and the more it works, the more money you're both going to make. This is interesting because I know that uh, with with your background, you did the licensing for the Power Rangers and, of course, Batman. And, and those of us who have kids, we can't help but deny and acknowledge the phenomenal success that the Power Rangers have been on many fronts, not only in terms of exposure and popularity, but I know, you know, pretty much every kid that my kids grew up with um, had Power Ranger merchandise, you know, from bedspreads sure. to backpacks to lunch pails to pencils to, I mean, it really is an endless, you know, limitless mm-hmm. uh, list of things that were available with the Power Rangers, you know, as the um, decor. So there's the actual licensing rights part of it, but then there's the actual merchandise in and of itself. So how does a business owner distinguish and not get confused with, you know, one thing versus the other because they are two different things, aren't they? Well, you've got, I mean, entertainment is a good example where you've got the entertainment, which is the underlying intellectual property, which is a movie or a mm-hmm. TV show. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a great example because movie and TV shows can go into so many places using licensing. You see them, as you said, they go into merchandise. Think about all the different products. When I was licensing Power Rangers, there was thousands of different products, literally. Mm-hmm. And multiply this by by territories around the world who all wanted to get into it. And you could, you could, you could understand the magnitude of how it grew so fast. And, and that's the one thing about entertainment content is, yeah, copyright content, in fact, 
is that it can go to so many places, okay, and it can be licensed in so many ways. I mean, you've got retail merchandise. You've got um, now you see it going into entertainment theme rides, location-based entertainment, live arena shows, uh, family entertainment centers. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, and really, this idea of what, what could I do with my intellectual property, it's only limited really by your imagination and the way you think about your IP and how it can be applied. You would be surprised at some of the uh, ways in which people take their intellectual property, sit back, evaluate it, and figure out, wait a minute, it can be applied to this industry. We can use it this way if we tweak it and add this to it. And by the way, intellectual property is not mutually exclusive, meaning separate from each other. In many cases, you can find other IP that if you bolt it on or add it on to your IP, makes your IP even more valuable. Okay? And that's what happens, by the it? way. In certain, yeah, you can piggyback. And that's what happens. For example, you know, people listening right now who have, a, who have a, 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 on their, their phone, for example, that mm -hmm. smartphone. That smartphone is nothing but a bundle of intellectual property. The manufacturer of that smartphone doesn't own the rights to the majority of the things that they use to build that. The LED screen, the components inside, even the slider that, the, that you use to turn it on, the apps, the earpiece, everything. That's all licensed. That's bundles of IP that are put together, and they license, either through mm -hmm. a pool or individually. Okay, And they bolt it on. Probably the only IP they have is for the design of the phone but they add on all this other IP around it and suddenly they have a phone that they sell to you for two or $300 and they sell hundreds of thousands and they make millions of dollars using other people's IP. Okay. And that's what you have to understand about intellectual property. You can bolt onto it, you can bundle it up and use it many, many different ways. Um, you know, similar to a piece of real estate where you tear down two houses and decide to make one giant apartment complex. You just bundle the two lots together and made an even mm -hmm. bigger, more valuable piece of real more estate. Valuable. Wow. So do you actually teach workshops, seminars, or online classes on this? Yes. Because uh, there's yes. a lot to learn, obviously. There, there is, and that's why I created, you know, and I, I've talked a lot about my licensing for profits website, which is where you will find all this. I have seminars, uh, webinars, e-courses. Uh, some are free, some are paid, audio training courses. Um, I, I've assembled the, the information basically of all my experience and the different deals that I've done and, and created courses for people to be able to go on, you know, learn not only the fundamentals about licensing, just the basics, what it is and how it works, but also the specific pieces of the process, everything from how do I make a presentation to how do I negotiate a deal, what should I look for, what is a licensing agreement, what are some of the things that I have to watch out for, how do I manage licensees, how do I figure out the royalty rate, uh, how do I control my IP, how do I make sure somebody doesn't, you know, rip me off, how can I build a big licensing program. All of these things that are out there I've assembled and, and, and put into licensing for profit so people can go there and really educate themselves and start learning. And, 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 and on some occasion I also do some live, live training, some live seminars and workshops um, and, and you know, but I found that for a lot of people, what they really want to do is they want to go there and really kind of get themselves, start to educate themselves. And then as they start to, to understand licensing more and more, I offer coaching um, with uh, clients where they can come and they have specific IP issues they want to deal with, whether it's a contract issue, they're negotiating a licensing deal, they want to figure out how to take their IP out to the next level, whatever the case is. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with clients. In some cases, um, clients hire me on a monthly basis saying, look, we want you to basically be our in-house licensing person. We need you to advise, guide us, take our IP and, and, and manage it and make money with it, um, which I do as well. So there's many different uh, resources that people can take advantage of there, and I, I highly encourage all your listeners to visit that website. I think you'll be pleased at what you find there. It's a lot of information I'm continuously updating because the world of IP is it's constantly changing. It's moving quickly and there is so much opportunity out there. Really just, as you said, Lillian, previously, now that they're aware of it from listening to this, they'll start to think about IP and licensing in a whole different way. Yeah, and I know that you've been very generous to make available to our listeners your book that you wrote, which is called The Money-Making Power of Licensing. And we're going to be posting the link to that free ebook on the show description and pushing it out to social media. But um, what would you say is the biggest mistake people make when it comes to IP? Um, 
Well, I think, well, I, I don't know that there's any one necessarily big mistake, but I think a couple of things happen. I think first people fail to do anything with it because they're, they're afraid that somebody is going oh. to make off with their idea. Okay. Or their, their IP. And, and a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, when you register an IP, it's public information. So, just because you register doesn't mean somebody isn't going to try to infringe upon it. That's the first thing to understand. You have to take action. You have to do something with it. And I think the other uh, mistake that people make is, is not understanding, one, what their intellectual property is and how it can be applied, and two, what they can really do with it. Sometimes they may have an IP that's in a, in a – you have to understand – that if you're an inventor and you create a, let's call it a disruptive technology, let's say you, you've got the newest okay. technology to make flying, flying cars, okay? Mm-hmm. You're going to go and disrupt this huge billion, multi-billion dollar industry, okay? They're not going to just sit aside while you build your company and take over their <laughs> business, okay? It's just not going to happen. They're going to come in and basically, you know, play hardball with you. It's in situations like that you have to recognize what your IP is, what its impact is going to be on the market, where you have to really think about, wait a minute, am I better served starting a business around this, or really is, is this the industry and technology that really needs to go to one of these big players? Because that's where a lot, sometimes I see a lot of companies get in trouble is they try to go up against these big players. And if you read the news every day, you'll see there's a lot of litigation that goes on in IP and and some of it is warranted, a lot of it is not. But the point is, is if you're going, if you're in a big industry, licensing is probably going to be your, your best bet. If you're starting something brand new that nobody has heard of, or maybe you're evolving a new industry, then maybe, you know, using your IP to start a business may be the right approach. I'm, of course, an advocate that says, look, you've created an IP, proven that it works, know that people want to use it, buy it, you know, then you know, licensing is a better route to go because you can do it. It's far less risky. You can do it faster. And if you if you partner with the right company, they're going to make you a lot more money. Because keep in mind, you won't have over the all all the overhead expenses and more more than that than anything aggravation because they're going to be able to go out and do it, and they're going to pay you whatever it is five, six, seven, eight, ten percent royalty. Which when you collect that royalty, you're not having to staff up to do that. Okay. That's being paid to you, and that's it's basically pure profit because really licensing isn't a capital-intensive or labor-intensive business if you decide you want to be in that business to license out. Really, it's just the management. Once you do these deals, all your partners are paying you money that's going right to your bottom line, which is when you look at some of these companies that have gone to pure licensing models, and there's many of them. In fact, on Wall Street, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them, even, even what's called the NPs or, or patent trolls, even though – not all of them are, are, are necessarily doing it what I would, you know, the right way. They're using litigation to license it. But those companies that go to pure licensing models, you know, they're bringing 80, 90% to the bottom line as profit because they're not making and selling anything. What they're doing is managing and innovating. And that's really for a lot of businesses that have intellectual property, a lot of owners, if they're an individual um, who's listening right now. Sometimes you have to step back and think, am I really a business manager or am I an innovator? Am I the person that creates Mm -hmm. it? Is my intellectual property really more valuable to somebody who's already got the infrastructure in place while I create lots of other stuff to come in behind it? Because if that's really where you're at, then licensing makes far more sense for you. And, you know, that's that's where it really is a money-making process. Well, and with entrepreneurs, you know, the nature of entrepreneurs is that they tend to be more creative beings to begin with. And a lot Absolutely. of them do do find greater joy and are genius at creating different aspects of whatever their field of expertise mm-hmm. is, and they kind of get bogged down more with the day-to-day, uh, you know, traditional way of running business. And so it seems like this would be a perfect marriage, if you will, between you know, somebody who is entrepreneurial, who ha- is a creative, who is constantly creating things in their given field of expertise, um, and then being able to marry that with this strategy of using licensing other intellectual property that they're creating and focusing on that as opposed to the traditional way of doing business in their area of expertise. Yeah, I, I would agree with you because and, – and look, there's a lot of demand you know, one of the things I can tell you, and I've worked with very large companies out there, and I've gone and I've presented intellectual properties to them. I had a project out of the university, one of the universities for a new 
food uh, cooking technology reduces fat. And I got a hold of the largest food processing companies mm-hmm. in the world who are all very interested in fat reduction. You know, this is a big deal. And I can tell you, they are hungry for new innovation, new technologies that fit what they're looking for. In this case, it was it was fat reduction. I mean, food, making food quality better, making it less expensive, improving water quality. I mean, there's so many challenges out there that these big companies are looking for, and they don't have the internal capacity to, to, to do all the R&D. So they are hungry out there. So for all of your listeners, if you are an inventor, if you're into technology, whatever it is, you really got to look. You really need to look at licensing because many of these companies out there are hungry for it. If you've got the right technology, and if it is the right technology, and it's ready to go, you could you could uh, make a lot of money licensing it to the right part. Wow. Well, I, we could easily spend another hour or two talking about uh, more details about this and taking this apart. So I think instead we probably should do two things. One, okay. get you to agree to come back. <laughs> and okay. number two, plug into your workshops that you have. Uh, I understand you've got some workshops and seminars coming up where you're going to be uh, uh, diving deep with more of these details, I would imagine. Yep, I, I, I always do. It just, it, you know, all, a lot of it depends on what people – there's so many – as you said, there's so many parts to licensing, Um I always find that, that as I develop these courses, it's really a question of figuring out what is it that people really uh, really want. Um, and so I do offer from time to time, uh, you know, the live seminars and workshops, and those tend to focus on specific areas of licensing, whether it's negotiation, sometimes it's finding partners, sometimes it's how do I take my IP and make it licensable. So check with my website at licensingforprofits.com. There you'll find a schedule of any upcoming uh, workshops and seminars. And please join me, learn about licensing, because I can assure you that it is, it is the business model and the wealth-creating opportunity of the 21st century. Just take a look around the world, and right now you're finding every country everywhere is quickly shoring up their IP. I mean, China's a big player in this, but just 10 years ago, most of the countries from China to Asia to South America who didn't respect intellectual property at all, they all are now aggressively upgrading their intellectual property laws. They're protecting IP. They've got IP offices. There's huge IP funds that are coming online right now, and their sole purpose is to find people with good quality IP and fund those people and get that intellectual property into the marketplace. Wow. So you you heard it right here on the Bottom Line Show line. Rand Brenner said they have IP funds. Those are groups of investors looking for good quality IP to fund uh, and to purchase the licensing rights to, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exciting. And it's grown. Oh, it's very exciting. It's a very exciting time for inventors, people who innovate, people with good intellectual. It's a very exciting time. All, what you need to do, though, is, is you know, get yourself educated in the licensing process and how to use that to make money with your intellectual property. So anyone who's authored a book or books or a script, TV series, anyone who is a public speaker, people who do radio shows, podcasts, uh, people who do public speaking in their area of industry, all of you should be tuning in, tapping in to this information. Make sure you download Rand's book. Again, it's going to be available through the show description here on the Bottom Line Show Live. Make sure you get the money-making power of licensing. And Rand, we are at the top of the hour here, so thank you for being on the show again. I look forward You're to welcome. seeing you eyeball to eyeball. It's been an, a very intriguing and informative hour. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Look forward to, to uh, speaking with you again. Fantastic. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.